verse number 20. Amen. As I said, I feel strongly about what God has to say today. I believe God wants to say something to every one of us. And uh, I was glad to be a part of Sunday school this morning and what he was uh, teaching, instructing, talking about the potter and the clay. And uh, we hear it many times, but sometimes the word of God, you know, here's another thing, Brother Kellerman, the word of God makes an impact on us depends on depending on time depending on what you're going through depending on your situation you can hear a word preach over and over and it doesn't affect you until that moment that time where you really need to understand where you really need a word for yourself all of a sudden that scripture sounds different that day all of a sudden now you're saying man i didn't see it that way not true You always saw it, but it just wasn't impacting your life at that time. You didn't need it that time. It wasn't for you at that time. And so the day you say, oh, my goodness, that's the day you needed it. And so that's how God operates. The day you needed it is the day that God spoke it. It says, we serve an on-time God. And so he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. On time, God. Yes, he is. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse number 20. I'm going to read 20 through 23. Then I'll jump down to 32. The, verse, the, the word of the Lord says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wicked of the wicked shall be upon him. In other words, God deals with each and every one of us individually. God do not allow something that someone else does to affect your life. You have control of your life. And whatever you decide to do with your life is how things will work. For a long time, there are many of us that think, oh, man, because your daddy did this or because your uncle did this or because your mama did this or because the person that raised you did this, this is why this is happening to you or because in your family there were alcoholics and because in your family there were drug addicts and we say to ourselves, well, man, I guess that's what's supposed to happen to me. No, every person is responsible for their own action and when you decide to turn to Jesus it doesn't matter if your daddy was an alcoholic it doesn't matter if your daddy was a gambler it doesn't matter if your 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 mama was whatever she was it doesn't matter it all comes down to will I submit my life to Christ and change everything about my life so never run with oh you know you know it's just you know the pressure because my dad was this or my mom was this no 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 you're responsible for your own life and God will deal with you as such verse number 21 but if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he had committed and keep all my statues and do that which is lawful and right he shall surely live he shall not die all his righteous all his transgression that he had committed they shall not be mentioned unto him in his righteousness that he had done he shall live Have I any pleasure at that the wicked should die? That's a question mark. That's the Lord asking that. Saith the Lord God. And not that he should return from his ways and live. Question mark. So God is asking us that are reading this today, that are hearing this today. Does he have pleasure 
uh, with the wicked, if the wicked die. God is saying, even when evil, wicked people do wicked things and they die, he's saying, do I take pleasure in that? Hmm. Then he asked and, say, and, and, and said, uh, and, and not that he should return from his ways. He says, when someone is living ungodly, unholy, unrighteous, do, do you think I take pleasure in that person not returning back to right living? No, he doesn't want anybody to live ungodly living, evil living, unrighteous living. He wants every one of us to turn from those ways and turn to him. Verse number 32, for I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. Acts chapter 26, verse number 13. The word of the Lord says, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness. Of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the prick. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Listen to me carefully. This is a very important scripture. This is written twice in the Bible in the book of Acts. That when the apostle Paul felt that light shine and he fell to the ground, he knew a stronger force, a higher power. We like to say the, the man upstairs, whatever we want to call it. He knew that a power that he could not withstand was now upon him. And Paul says, who art thou, Lord? Because any power that have rule over you, it's your Lord. It's your controller. It's your master. It's your ruler. Any power, I don't care what kind of power, if you're being controlled by something, that's your master. That's your Lord. And so in order for you to break that, you got to switch who the Lord of your life will be. And so he says that, 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 who art thou, Lord? Because Paul knew, I can't withstand this power. Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord God said, I am Jesus. So don't forget this scripture because God wants you to know his name is Jesus. He didn't want him to just refer to him as Lord and as God. Those are titles. He says, I want you to know who I am, and my name is Jesus. He didn't say, I'm the God of the heavens. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't say, I'm the God of people. He says, I am Jesus. Don't ever forget that. That God's name is Jesus. Jesus is not different from God. Jesus is just God's name. He says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto you, delivering thee 
from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Now here is the big scripture. Verse 18, he says, this is what I'm going to use you to do, Paul, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Old Testament God says, I don't take pleasure in people dying in their sins. Old Testament say, God says, if my people turn and live, that's what I'm about. I don't want to crush my people. I don't want to destroy my people. I went to the cross for them. And so I need them to turn and live. And then he gave us an example with the Apostle Paul to say, look at that guy. He was living the way he wanted to. He was doing whatever he wanted to do. And guess what? I met him on that road to Damascus. And I say, Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why persecutest me? And he took real personal issue. He says, you're persecuting those people. And because those people belong to me, I died for them. I gave my blood for them. I came out of heaven for them. And when you begin to persecute them, I take it personal. You're persecuting them. But look at the beauty of God. Instead of him destroying Paul for persecuting the people he loved, he says, no, buddy, I'm going to save you. And those same people you're persecuting, I'm going to use you to save them and Turn them. Do we understand the kind of God that we serve? When we want to condemn, God is ready to say, I will change you. I will move on you. And instead of you living a life that will send you away from me, you will work with me to help me turn people. And so I want to entitle this message today, You Can Experience a Turnaround. You can... Will somebody open their heart today? Will somebody open their heart today? When God has come to do a work in our life, harden not your heart, somebody. Open your heart today. Give yourself to Jesus today. We cannot make it if we don't get the attitude of Christ. We cannot make it if we don't know and understand who He is. We cannot make it if we don't check ourselves with him and say God here I am it's all about him and what he can do it's not about what we think it's not about what we feel I know we might have feelings about certain things and feel certain ways and that's perfectly fine but what we got to do is say God I have feelings but this is what I want for you to do God work in me so I don't live according to my feelings work in me so I don't live according to what I think work in me so I can please you Lord touch us today in a special way we give you our heart today that when we leave here today we will be changed that when we leave here today oh God new life will spring up in us that when we leave here today Lord God our mind will not be the same our heart will not be the same God we're crying out to you today will you speak to every one of us Lord I lift my hands and say here I am Lord speak to me today oh God move on us today Lord I pray for transformation today in the name of Jesus us in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
you can experience a turnaround. Listen to me carefully, church. Just give me a few minutes. I'm going to just stay right in the meat of what I'm preaching today and get out your way. The purpose of preaching and Bible teaching is not for entertainment. We were entertained last week, but it was also a move of God where God did work. You, that's the best way to have it, where you can have fun and you can joke and you can laugh and you can just enjoy the presence of the Lord and at the same time life being changed. That's, that's the beauty of last week. It doesn't always go like that where you have a good time. You, you feel the power of God. God moved. People's life change. It's not always like that. But 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 it was great last week and I thank God for that. But majority of the time we come together, the preaching will not be that way. Preaching is not for entertainment, is not for enjoyment. It is way beyond that. The purpose of preaching and teaching is simply to make us aware that we may know what's available and what have been lost. Preaching and teaching the Word of God is simply to make us aware because so often we're living our life unaware of the things of God. One of the things I try to say to people is, when I teach the Word of God, if I teach you a home Bible study, if I come to you wherever you are and teach, I'm not teaching you for any other reason than to educate you, to give you the Word of God of what thus saith the Lord. Do I want you to be saved? Yes. Do I want you to go to heaven? Yes. Do I want to see your life better? Yes. But that's not up to me. What's up to me is teaching the Word of God. And when I teach the word of God, it's now up to you to decide what you're going to do with it. And so I teach the word of God to inform you of things you're not informed of. I always tell people it is not good to make uninformed decisions. You know what that means? You're just going to make a decision and you didn't check anything. You didn't study out anything. You didn't do any research. I want to make a decision because I'm fully informed. I don't want to make a decision ignorantly. I don't want to make a decision and not study out what it is that I need to understand. Some things are too important to make uninformed decisions. And so preaching will help you to make informed decisions. You will know things that you weren't even aware of and you will become understanding of things that you have lost and probably didn't even realize it. The purpose of preaching is to help us remember. Why you think we keep coming back to church over and over? There's a lot of things we, we don't stop to think about. Why every Sunday we come to church? Why every Thursday night we come to Bible study? Why every Saturday we come to prayer? And you're saying, man, it's just, it's just repetitive and it seems like it's just, it's like just continuous craziness and sometimes I don't even see any change but I keep doing it. Well, preaching and teaching the Word of God is to help you remember there are things that we talk about that the Word of God teaches us about that we forget or because our mindset was not in a place where we needed it to be, we forget about it. And so if we just keep coming in the house of God, God will remind us through preaching what we need to remember. Peter wrote in, in, in 2 Peter 3, 
1 and 2, Peter wrote, I write this second epistle unto you, not that you don't know these things already, but that I might stir up your memory, or in plain terms, or that I might help you to understand that there are some things that are easy to forget because life is busy and pressure is real and sometimes unbeknownst unto us, we can be heading in the wrong direction or we could become something we never wanted to become. When we hear preaching, it will help us to remember. It will help us to pay attention to what's going on. The less preaching we hear, the less we will remember. The less preaching we hear, the less we will be aware. The less preaching we hear, the less we will want to change and turn. You can experience a turnaround today. So oftentimes the Lord Jesus will use the preacher to make us mindful of our status with him. Ah, many times God used the preaching to remind us of our status with the Lord. See, we got to understand that when you're in a relationship, you might feel like the relationship is going well. But if the other person don't feel like the relationship is going well, then the relationship ain't going well. You might feel like you're doing a great job and the other person might feel like, no, you're not. And it doesn't mean one is right or wrong. It just means the two need to get together and come to some agreement as to why we're not all together just agreeing in happiness or the the relationship being good. Now, that's with people. With God, he's perfect. So if the relationship ain't going good, it's because of us. If the relationship with God and you is not going good, it's not because of God. It's because of you. It's because of me. Our relationship with God is predicated on what we do, not on what he does. The Bible says uh, he changed not. Uh, He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He's forever loving. He's forever kind. Uh, He's forever gracious. He's forever merciful. Those things can't change about God. Uh, So if we're not in good relationship with God, uh, it's because we're the ones uh, that's at fault. uh, And we got to go to God and say, God, uh, how do I get better at my relationship? relationship with you. And he says, go to church. Hear the preaching. And when you hear the preaching, the preaching will tell you where your status lie with me. The status of our salvation. We'll come to church and we'll hear about the status of our salvation. Because sometimes there are many people that believe you get saved. We look for the easiest way to get saved. Church, I got to tell you and tell you this over and over again. God existed when nothing exists. The Bible says he is, he's, he's, he's self-sufficient. He, he is, um, eternal. He's, he's, he's present. Always been present. Where did God come from? He came from nowhere. He always existed. Always. And so if God always existed and he has established how this world is supposed to work and he created everything in this world, guess what? He is the one that is responsible and is responsible for how we will be saved. There is no other way to be saved other than what God says. And so I know for us as humans, there are times when we want to feel like, you know what, this makes sense, this feels good, and this is the way I'm going to be saved. Well, 
check the word of God. Check what God says. Is that the way to be saved? And if it's not, then I got to move past what feels good. So preaching will help you check the status of your salvation. Preaching will help you check the status of your relationship with God. And preaching will remind you of the catching away of the church, which is called the rapture. That one day God is coming back for his people. One day God is coming back for a church of people that has been born again of the water and of the spirit. One day God is coming back for a people who have kept their eyes on him. One day God is coming for a people who will trust him and there's coming a day where the church will be drawn out of the earth. Oh, preacher, that sounds like magic and hocus pocus. Oh, baby, I'm here to tell you there was a time when it never rained. You didn't live back in those days, but I'm here to tell you there's a time when it didn't rain. And when the preacher began to preach that it was going to rain, the people begin to say the preacher must be crazy. Oh, how can it rain? It ain't never rain. What does that mean? And guess what? It started raining and the people started wondering, uh, how was this possible? And the Bible says it rained for a very long time. It rained and flooded the whole earth. It ain't never rained before. So when it rained, it flooded the whole earth. And so there's coming a day where the Bible says there will be a catching away of the church. The church people call it the rapture, but there's no word in the Bible that, that's, that, that says rapture is the catching away of the church. God will come back for us like a thief in the night, and we will be caught up together to meet him in the air. And so that will happen whether we believe it or not, whether we can fathom it or not. And so when we come to church, we will hear the status of where we are in our salvation when we come to church. We will hear the status of our relationship with God. And we will be reminded that we will not always be in this earth. There's coming a day where Jesus will come back for his people. Why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord and thank him. Thank him for being so good to us. Another purpose for preaching is to warn us of the seductive nature of sin for which all of us has been seduced by. So we come to church to hear preaching about our sin, about the things that we've done wrong. And guess what? That's okay because God is trying to make you aware. We don't come to church and make the preaching about sin offends us. We all we're living in sin. As the Bible says, we're, 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 we're born in sin and shaping iniquity. So the bottom line is no need for us to act like, oh, preacher, I don't like when you talk about my sin. I don't like when you talk about what I've done wrong. Well, I'm talking about what I've done wrong. I don't stand before you and act like I do everything right. And so when I preach about sin, I'm preaching to me just like I'm preaching to you because the Bible says all have sinned. Only Jesus Christ never sinned. And that's why he can give us life for everyone else because he was the only unblemished one. He was the only one without sin. So when the preacher talk about our sins, we need to say, go ahead and preach. Now that you're preaching it, I'm being convicted and I need to turn around and make it right with God. We're trying to get to heaven, somebody. We're trying to be in a good relationship, a right relationship with Jesus. And whatever the preacher needs to be to help us, then that's what it needs to be. 
Church, if you've been raised by parents that let you do whatever you want, I'm sorry. Because it really means that parent don't love you. I'm sorry. Because if you are raised by parents that love you, beatings come, punishments come, all kind of stuff come. Because they love you. They're trying to stop you from destroying yourself. And so they do things to make you aware. They do things to get you back in line. And they're your parents. How much more should our Heavenly Father do who gave His life for us? Who gave everything His blood for us that we can be saved? He's going to correct us. He's going to talk about our sins. He's going to check us. He's going to confront us. But it's all out of love. It's all out of love. It's because He wants to save us. The whole Bible is about turn around. The whole Bible is about turn around. The whole Bible is about turn around. The dictionary says a turnaround is to turn and face another direction. It says to turn to another way. It says to a shift or a reversal of allegiances, opinions, or tendencies. A complete reversal. Has anyone here besides me that's experienced, that have experienced a turnaround? Have you experienced any kind of turnaround in your life? I believe you have. And we need to thank God that we were able to experience a turnaround. We're here today because we've experienced a turnaround. We're here today because God's mercy has helped us to experience a turnaround. Mm -hmm. Listen, my turnaround wasn't a positive mental attitude. It didn't come by some special meeting I attended. My turnaround did not come by a counselor. And I thank God for counselors. We need counselors. Heaven knows. My turnaround came because Almighty God stepped in my life. And I experienced the power of His Spirit. And my life was never the same. I don't know about you, but in 1997, when God stepped in my life, the power of the Holy Ghost moved on me. He delivered me from things I never knew I had in me. He delivered me from things that I had in me. And I said, God, I thank you. I didn't talk the same. I didn't walk the same. I didn't look the same. I didn't act the same. I didn't do all the same things because God had stepped into my life and he turned me around. What the Bible says or the preacher says, he picked me up. He turned me around and he placed my feet on solid ground. The only way we're going to experience a turnaround is when Jesus Christ stepped right into our life and we allow him to step in and do whatsoever he wants to do we got to stop rejecting him. we got to stop pushing him back. But we got to give him access to our life to turn us around. A turnaround is not a one-time thing. I was great when Jesus touched my life in 1997. But Jesus didn't stop there. Our turnaround is not a one-time thing. 
Our turnaround is not a two-time thing. It's not a one and done, as they like to say. But our turnaround is a turnaround that's supposed to happen again and again and again and again. The longer you live for God, the more you're going to be turned around. The longer you live for Jesus, the more you're going to turn around. You will experience a turnaround again and again and again. Nobody can live for God with one turnaround. Nobody can live for God with just two turnarounds. God needs to work on us and keep turning us and keep turning us. That we can move past uh, the things that have us bound. Uh, we need uh, to experience a turnaround. Uh, can somebody give God some praise uh, and say, God, uh, I need to experience a turnaround. In Matthew 26, verse 69, the word of the Lord says, Now Peter sat without in the palace. And a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fella was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for they speak, bereath thee. Then began he to curse. We talking about Peter. Then began he to curse. We talking about Peter. Who we said walked on well, the preacher said the word. Same thing. But that's the Peter we're talking about. He cursed. I don't know the man. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Disciple. That's getting ready to be apostle. Walked on water. Walked on the word. Whatever you want to do. And he denied Jesus. I think about that sometimes. And I say, this is why you don't do this. I don't understand, Peter. You walked on water. I don't understand Jesus, Peter. You was with Jesus for three and a half years. I don't understand, Peter. You watch him uh, take two loaves of bread and, 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 and uh, you know, uh, two fish and five loaves of bread. You, you watch him break that thing and fed over 5,000 people. How in the world will you say you don't know the man and start cursing and swearing? I don't understand. I want to think that I couldn't have done that. <laughs> So the next time you stop to think about how could they, don't even go there. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. Ain't none of us in here like Peter. None of us come close to Peter. And that joker cussed and sweared and just starting to lie. I don't know Jesus. 
wish we understand this stuff that we're trying to trying to walk in. I don't understand. How could they? Why would they? And, and, and they act like they this and they act like they that. Just say to yourself, every time you start getting those thoughts, because you can't help some thoughts. Sometimes the devil put them there. Sometimes your flesh put them there. Every time you get certain thoughts, just say, Peter. Peter. That's going to be my answer to you. Every Anytime you ask me how. Peter. Peter. Because none of us had Peter's experience. And Peter cursed. Swear. Get out my face. I can bring it in modern day time. I can just see it now in modern day time. Say something again. Shut your mouth and start put some blankety blanks behind it. If you say another word, because Peter was good with the sword. If you read some of it, Peter would take you out in a second. He didn't have a gun, but he knew how to use the sword. Say one more word and I'll cut your throat. I'll let you bleed to death without you knowing you're bleeding. Say one more word. I said I don't know him. You say any other, any, any other word, I'm going uh, straight. You better not say I know him. I'm just saying, bring it in today's language, in today's world. That's what you're really looking at. Peter was indignant and arrogant and, and, and just, just mean and trying to act like he wasn't with Jesus. And you know why he got like that? Because when Jesus told him to pray, he was sleeping. Me and you, you know why we fall into sin? Because when we should have been praying, we were sleeping. We keep on sleeping and we keep on falling into sin. When we wake up and stay awoke and follow Jesus and do what he wants us to do, then we're going to sin a whole lot less than how we sit in now. we got to stop sleeping and start praying. You might think you're shopping. Saturday evenings when we're here at 6.30, you might think you're doing chores or shop. And so you say to me, preacher, I'm not sleeping. Listen, still sleeping. If it ain't praying, what do they say? If we ain't doing the things of God, we dead men walking. I'm just saying. So you're sleeping no matter how you want to look at it. But if we will come out of our sleep and we will begin to pray, then we will fall into sin a whole lot less. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 14. I just love Jesus. Anybody love Jesus? Anybody love Jesus? I love Jesus. I'm going to try to get this thing wrapped up here in a a moment. In Acts chapter 2, verse 14, the word of the Lord says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, Be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see vision. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. That was the first message preached to the church. You didn't know that. That was the first message preached to the church. That was the day of Pentecost. 
first message preached to the church. The first time the word was preached about the outpouring of the spirit, the infilling of the spirit, and who Jesus was, Peter preached it. We just read in Matthew how Peter cussed like a sailor, what wanted to deny Jesus, act like a fool, and, 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 and lied, just straight up lied, and did all that stuff. And then we read later, he preached the first message to the church. He had a turnaround, church. Uh, Peter had a turnaround. Uh, we talking about somebody that was living for God. Uh, you must be encouraged uh, that you can live for God uh, and fall flat on your face. Uh, you can live for God uh, and mess up badly. You can live for God uh, and go in the wrong direction. Uh, you can live for God uh, and do wrong things. Uh, but God, uh, He loves you. Uh, he died for you. Uh, and His wish, uh, His desire, His heartbeat uh, is that you experience a turn around. And he's not going to let you turn around and shun your barber and say, well, you good now, but I still got a little bit of issue with you. I'm going to keep you at arm's reach. I'm going to keep you at bay because you kind of messed up and I don't want you messing up again. So you know what? I'm just going to be careful how I deal with you. You got quiet on me because that's what we do. People mess up. We don't treat them as brand new uh, when they repent and get their life back. We don't treat them. We, we say, well, got to watch you. Uh, got to watch you because you might do again. Uh, well, guess what? That's not what Jesus did. Uh, he said, Peter, I don't care if you mess up. Uh, I got confidence in you. Uh, I'm cheering you on uh, because you know what? Uh, there's coming a day uh, when I pour out my spirit uh, that you will be the one to preach that message. Uh, I knew you would have messed up. Uh, I knew you would have done wrong, uh, but I still got you. And I'm not going to treat you like you're messed up. I need God to help me with that. I think we all need God to help us with that. On how to treat people like they never did you wrong that did you wrong. Oh, somebody help me today. That's when we be, that, that's another step in the right direction in being a Christian. That's another step in the right direction in being a Christian. When people have done you wrong, when people have hurt you, when people have done things to you that is hurtful, this another step is, God, how can I still love them the way that I loved them before they did me wrong? Jesus does it, and we're trying to be like Him, and we need to say, God, help me to love people that have done me wrong. The same way before they did me wrong. Don't get quiet, church. These are the things uh, why the preaching of the word uh, is being shared with us uh, so we can become aware uh, that when people do us wrong, when people hurt us, uh, we, 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 we say we forgive them, but we, we don't treat them the same way anymore. We back up a little off them. We, we start watching them out of the side of our eyes. We start saying, uh, you know what? I don't know. If they did it once, they'll do it again. Uh, when Jesus says, how many times shall you forgive your brother who sinned against you? Uh, Seventy times, seventy, four hundred and ninety times uh, for one wrong that he's done to us. Uh, but we uh, are still having a hard time uh, because we got to move past those things. Uh, but we need Jesus to step into our life, uh, to step into our situation uh, and turn us around. Uh, I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm not telling you I'm, I got it down pat. Uh, I'm just telling you what the Word of God uh, is saying to us. Uh, how can we get turned around uh, and love people the same way before they had done us wrong? Peter, every time 
I can't believe you. Just say to yourself, before you say that to the person, Peter. Peter. Just That's all you need to remember. Peter. Because God is so wonderful. Because I don't know how God's going to entrust the man to go preach the word that, that, that denied him. God, you're not afraid that one day he's going to deny you again? You're not afraid he's going to backslide again and then people are going to be like walking away from God because the man that taught them about you, he backslid in God. You're not afraid of that? God, you're going to trust him with all of that? What if he lead the people wrong? Go preach the day of Pentecost, Peter. You know what the message behind that? It's not Peter. It's not Peter, church. It's not us. We keep thinking that it's something about us. I know we're fascinated with ourselves. I know we fascinated with other people. It's not us. It's the power that's working in us. It's the power that's working in this world. His name is Jesus. That's what it's about. He is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the one that forgives sins. He's the one that makes us whole. And we gotta look to Him. It's not us. We keep looking at each other and saying, this and saying that and trying to figure this out and figure that out and we're forgetting who Jesus is and what Jesus can do it's about Jesus and not about us let Jesus do his work and we just back up and let it be as far as we know Paul never backslid as far as we know, the Apostle Paul never backslid. But Peter did. But as far as we know, Paul never walked on water. What am I trying to say here? We're just all so different. We're just all so different and God is doing what he's doing in our life and it's so different. We can't. That's why God said don't compare yourselves with yourselves. Uh, compare yourself with me. Uh, try to be like me because we're all so different. Here we are, Peter, the, the, the apostle Peter, God's right hand man, walked on water. He backslid. The one that never walked with Jesus. Remember, you know, they said, this is what they say, that in order to be an apostle, you had to walk with Jesus. Well, that's not true because the apostle Paul never walked with Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus. So it's correct to say to become an apostle, you're going to have to have an encounter with Jesus. So all the disciples who became apostles, they walked physically with Jesus. The apostle Paul never walked. With Jesus. He had an encounter. And how come he never backslid? But the ones that had Jesus every... Oh, somebody help. Judas had Jesus. And he just backslid and never made it back. And he had Jesus. Peter had Jesus. And he was cussing and fussing and lying. And, and backslid. Paul never walked with Jesus. But I don't remember him backsliding. I don't remember Peter and John and all them suffering the kind of torture that Paul suffered. And he never backed up one iota. Brother Sam, let me tell you something. I tell people this sometimes. Listen, listen how much we get warped a lot of times. I tell people this sometimes. There are people that come in the house of God and they sit there and they listen to the preaching. 
And you know what? It might take them months, sometimes even years, to get baptized and to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Church folk look at them and says, boy, why he won't do something? Why he won't do that? Well, let me tell you the reverse. There are people that come right in, spirit moves on them, they repent of their sins, they get baptized in Jesus' name, they get filled with the Holy Ghost, and six months later we can't find them. What are we, what are we doing? We gotta get, we gotta wake up and just trust Jesus. And what I always tell people that take a long time, I say, why can't I receive the Holy Ghost? I said, brother, if you can get this far without the Holy Ghost, can you imagine when you get the Holy Ghost how much further you're going to go? See, I don't look at it like how, how it took you so long to receive the Holy Ghost. No, 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 no. I look at it as you had staying power without the Holy Ghost. So when you get the Holy Ghost and you begin to yield to Him, the power that will work in you, that will take you where you need to go, is going to be unprecedented. It's going to be unprecedented. I think sometimes when things happen too easy for us, we take it for granted. But when you got to work and put some sacrifice and put some work, I believe that will keep you more than when it just happened to you easy. We got to get our minds straight. I got to get my mind straight. I got to get this working. I got to get this working. Church, pray. Pray for us. We're at a pivotal time of Christ-centered church because I believe God is ready to take us. But the devil not going to make it easy. The devil not going to say, go ahead. Oh, no. The devil going to try to stop us from moving into the position where God has for us. And so people don't stay married because they are super spiritual and everything is just right. If you are going to make a marriage work, if you're going to make a relationship work, if you're going to make a business situation work, if you're going to make your life work, if you're going to make church work, you have to experience a turnaround again and again and again. As soon as you think that you got some place, something's going to come and sideswipe you and hit you so hard, you're going to realize, oh my God. I've still got a long way to go. I thought I was on the right track. I thought I was pleasing God. And you probably was. But it's never going to be easy. As soon as you think you're smooth sailing, here comes something to get you off track. Because we have to experience a turnaround, a turnaround, and a turnaround. God loves you too much to only allow you to experience one turnaround. God loves you too much to leave you right where you are. God's got great plans for you. God wants to do things beyond your understanding, beyond your imagination. And the way He will accomplish that in your life, He gotta turn you around again and again and again. Somebody here today need to say, God, step in my situation and turn me around again and turn me around again. I'm not where I need to be. Turn me around, Jesus. This church has been turning around since we started Bible study in, in, in April of 2014. 
We started Bible study right in here. Every Thursday, we would meet here at 7.30, just Bible study, no church services, just Bible study. And we've been turning around since then till now. And God knows we're going to keep on turning around. And God knows where we got to get to. It's got to be some turning around. Look what the Lord has done. Look at people being filled with the Holy Ghost. Since the month of May, the supernatural power of God has been working in this church like I've never seen seen it. Uh, since the month of May, uh, we've experienced the power of God uh, in this church like we never have. Uh, you know what that tells me? Uh, God uh, is picking up the pace. Uh, God uh, is doing some things. Uh, but guess what? You're going to be attacked. Uh, I'm going to be attacked. Uh, the devil is going to come after us. Uh, but God uh, is able to keep us. Uh, but God is able to sustain us. Uh, we need to thank God uh, for his power because his power is what's keeping us. Listen to me. Sister Maisha, problems don't prevent. Well, let me say, let me say this. Problems don't prevent turnarounds. They are opportunities for turnarounds. Sister Maisha, I thought about you. I did. Problems don't prevent turnarounds. They are an opportunity for turnarounds. And so when you see problems that appear in your life, when you, when you do, do, do things that are just stupid and wrong and it bring problems in your life, just stop. I know at the time when, when you're experiencing it, it's not easy to think this way, but I'm going to tell you, you need to say, God, I know I brought this problem in my life, but it's only an opportunity for you to turn some things around in my life. Because maybe if you didn't allow this problem to come in my life, I could have been straying. Uh, I could have been going to the left uh, and drifting and not realizing how badly I was drifting. Uh, and before you know it, look up uh, and be in a place where I don't even know where I am. Uh, but because you allow this problem uh, to come in my life, uh, guess what? Uh, I can see clearly that I need to be turned around. Uh, I can see clearly that I need to go in a different direction. Uh, but if it wasn't for you allowing me to see, uh, uh, making me aware that I could not to realize how badly I needed to be turned around. Uh huh. Jesus told Paul, I am going to give you a turnaround to become a minister of the gospel so you can preach to others that they may turn around. He was just out of control. We don't read about too many people who persecuted God's people. But Paul did. And Jesus didn't frown on Paul. Jesus didn't give Paul a hard time. Jesus just said, all right, Paul, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save you and let you see how crazy you were for persecuting this way. People who turn people off. Listen to me carefully. I'm finishing up here. People who are turned off or frowned upon by other people's failure 
or frown upon, I should say, other people's failure, other people's mistake and sin, you need to turn around. When you look and see other people's stuff all messed up, or you look and you say, I thought you would be better than that, or I thought that, how could you? First of all, Peter. First of all, Peter. But second of all, we need the attitude of Jesus. And that is, they need to be turned around. And the only way they're going to be turned around is if I pray that God will step into their situation. Because only God can turn them around. And so we got to pray and say, God, they need to turn around. And I don't know if you ever do this. I remember the first big thing I experienced as a Christian in church where I saw somebody else made a big error, failed big time. And I remember driving and saying to myself, I I was almost in tears because I said to myself, that could be me. I lived long enough for God. When I was a young Christian, I did some ignorant things. And one of the ignorant things I did was I said, I will never. Man, every time I think about it, I just feel so stupid. I will never. And the day came where I saw myself, you did. You did. Because you have no clue who the devil is. And so often we're just trying to live our life and focusing on trying to move forward. And the devil just come out of nowhere. Boom! Because as soon as you said, I will never, oh man, it's like the demons line up. Oh, really? We're going to show you because you think you something. And plus the demons straight trying to make you a liar. Oh, I will never. So he makes sure you do what you say you'll never do to make you a liar. Why? Why is he trying to make you a liar? Oh, you missed that? The Bible says he's the father of lies. The truth is not in him. So when you lie, he feels like you're just like him. So he's constantly trying to make you lie, make you a liar. Jesus is the truth, but he is the father of lies. And so his job is to make you lie so he can say, look at you. Why? The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. So, you know, when you lie, you know what he does? Jesus, them one of yours, they just like me. They ain't no different than me. Look at them lying just like me. Look at that's your people's lying just like me. And Jesus says, yeah, but I shed my blood to cover that. So just go back from where you came from. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, that's what he's trying to do, make us a liar. But I've lived long enough to know, be careful what you say. I'll never. We got to be careful of that. And so we got to realize that we can't look at people's failure, sin, and faults and begin to feel like, I don't know what's their issue. Peter. Just, 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 just say Peter, because that's 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 the only way to get past it. We just got to know Peter 
did worse or probably just as bad. And guess what? Peter needed to turn around. So when we fail, when we sin, when we deny Christ, because when we decide we're going to sin willingly, we're denying Christ in our life. So when we experience that, you know what we got to say? I need to turn around, Jesus. I need to turn around, Lord. I need you to step into my life and help me to be turned around. If we stay frowning on those, if we stay criticizing those, guess what? You will become hostage of your emotions, of how you feel about what they have done and how they could, could have done something like that. Jesus died that we can experience a turnaround in our life. He wasn't turned off or became frustrated with our failures, mistakes, and sin. He died so we would not have to stay trapped by them. He died so we can experience a turnaround. There are many in here today, many of us in this house today. I would go and venture and say all of us in this room this this afternoon will we need to experience a turnaround. Uh-huh. Some of us may need to be turned around from our sinful lifestyle. Some from poor choices we've made. Uh, some of us may need to turn around in our attitude. Uh, a turnaround in never giving thanksgiving and praise to the Lord. We don't appreciate what God has done to us, done for us. We come to church and we just sit on him. We're not thanking him. We need a turnaround from that. Sometimes God will allow crises to come into our life that we can seek him for a turnaround. That's another answer to our lesson this morning. Is that sometimes, you know what I thought about? Stan, I'm done. You know what I thought about this morning? You know, when, when, we, when we're talking about any particular subject, I, I sometimes work my brain into it and try to seek scriptures. And you ever notice, well, for me, I, I like to watch certain kind of movies. And, you know, James Bond, right, right, right Brother Ivan? We like James Bond. And so... um. One of the um, the James Bond that um, that we like is one of James Bond that called "Die Another Day," and one of it is they tortured him. And as you know, people torture you to get an answer out of you. What about that this morning in, in our Sunday school class? That that a lot of times you get tortured. To get answered. If you if, if if you get captured in a foreign country and and, and 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 you know captive of war and they're trying to get answers out of you, they torture you to see if you're gonna say something. And I thought about that in my mind. I say, God, you let us torture ourselves until we finally submit to you, don't you? That's heavy. That's what I was thinking this morning. So this is because God don't do evil. But what God will do, he will allow evil to keep coming until we submit. All right, Lord. Okay, okay. I can't take this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I've tried everything, and I try to do my own thing, and it's not working. Okay, God, I submit and I surrender. What do you want me to do? Sometimes that's what God has to allow for us to get saved. Every one of us is so different. 
We're so different. And so God knows us all intimately, individually. He knows us all. And, and, and he might just talk to you, Bob, and you're like, that's right. Okay, here I am, Lord. I'm, I'm ready to get right. But he might talk to Samantha, and Samantha might say, ah, later for that. Ah, later for that. And it might take her 15 times before she says, okay, Lord. It's just different people. Just, that's, that's just what it comes down. We're different people. But God knows us. He knew it was going to take 15 times and only one time. He knows it. He's not getting all worked up under the collar and sweating like, I hope she herp and get it. That's kind of how we treat God. Like he doesn't know and he's, he's hoping. He's rolling the dice. Maybe she'll get it this time. Oh, you're kidding me, man. God knows when we will get it, how long it's going to take us to get it, what it's going to take for us to get it. And he knows the ones that will never want it. Because he's going to make sure you get it. But some of us don't want it. And we're going to reject it. He knows those. But the good thing about God, here's something about God that we're just different. God can know somebody's never going to take it. But that doesn't mean he stopped trying to give it to them. If, if you and I was in a position to know what people would or wouldn't do, oh, please, we'll walk past everybody that we know won't take it. Just think about that. Every person we know that won't accept what we're saying, and we had, we, we had that kind of knowledge to know they're not going to accept it, please, we walk by all of them and just go to the ones we know gonna, God doesn't do that. Can you imagine that? Preacher, give me proof. He knew Judas was never going to accept it. Did, did he kick him out of the group? Did he treat him any differently? Those are the kind of attitudes and character that I want from Jesus. That's the kind of stuff I want from Jesus. That regardless of what you're going to do, I have to be godly. I have to be like Jesus. Regardless of what anyone else do, I just got to be like Jesus. We all should be saying that, not just me. We all should be saying, it doesn't matter what anybody else do. I just want to be and do like Jesus. Because that's what he does. He never just skip over us because we're not going to accept it. Ezekiel 18 and 23 says, for I have no pleasure in the death of him. 32, verse 32, 18, 32. For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth. He's talking about, I have no pleasure in those that die in their sin. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. God is telling us today, turn and live. Those of you who receive the Holy Ghost, it doesn't mean you're going to be saved. It means you have to yield to the Holy Ghost so he can lead you into salvation. All of us have to yield to the Spirit of God. All of us need the Spirit of God in our life to turn us. Second Chronicles 7 and 14. You should, you should be able to recite that. You see what I'm talking about, turn? You see what I'm talking about? He said, if my people which are called by my name, my people... He didn't say somebody else's people. If my people, which are called by my name, you've been baptized in Jesus' name, <laughs> shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn. We need to turn around and turn from their wicked ways. 
Then shall I hear from heaven. What he's saying is, I will answer and I will move when you decide you want to turn. So when we say, God, I'm sick of this. God, I want to change. God, I want to be. I'm not talking about just saying it because it's intellectually right or politically correct to say. I'm talking about deep down in your gut, in your heart, when you realize, I need a change in my life. I feel that way. I need a change deep down in my gut, in my heart. Help me, Lord. Help me to turn because I can't turn the way I think I can. I need your help. We all should be saying that to God. I don't care where you are. God has more for you. And in order for you to get where God wants you to go, you need him to enter, step in again, and turn you. James chapter 4 says, verse 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. You can't turn. You can't turn until you submit to God. That's what we're doing wrong. We can't turn until we submit ourselves to God. You can try to turn all you want because if you could have turned, it's like people saying, as soon as I get myself together, I'm going to start coming to church. As soon as I get myself together, I'm going to give my life to God. Well, baby, if you can get yourself together, you'd have got it together a long time ago. Because I'm sure there's some things that you're just miserable about that you want to see change and you haven't been able to change it yet. So just face the fact you can't change it. What you just need to do is come to God just the way you are and submit to him. Say, God, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. I need you. And so how do we submit ourselves to God? We get on our knees or we stand or we sit or we lay and we begin to say, God, I need you. It has to be something that's within your heart. It can't just be something you're just saying because it's right. It has to be really what you want. When God is present and you say to him God I need this trust me God will not let you down he will do just what's needed but you have to say God what he says ask and it shall be given seek and you shall find knock and it shall be open unto you and so when we really become sincere and we really say God this is what I want this is what I'm desperate for God will do it but we gotta really want it let's pray bow your heads Close your eyes. Why don't you talk to God for a moment? We're going to dismiss and leave here in a second. But why don't you talk to God and talk to him about your turnaround this afternoon? Why don't you ask God to help you with your turnaround? Just acknowledge right now that you can't turn it around on your own. You need him to step into your situation. You need him to step into your relationship. You need him to step into your home. You need him to step into your family. You need him to step into your life life and turn around the things that you know you cannot do on your own will somebody be honest with Jesus this afternoon and say Jesus I cannot do it I cannot make it without you I understand that you are the all powerful God you're the all knowing God you're the God that saves and delivers and heal and set free and so God we call on your majestic name today and say God 
God. Uh, will you work in our heart today? Uh, Lord, I am asking you uh, to help me to turn uh, whatever, Lord God, uh, my next step in you will be. Uh, I need you to help me to take that next step. Uh, I need you to help me to move in the next direction. Uh, I need you to help me, Lord God, to do uh, what you want me to do. Uh, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ today uh, that you will help me, Lord, uh, to do what you want me to do, uh, to take the next step uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, by your power today, Lord God, I pray uh, from the top of her head to the sole of her feet, uh, let the supernatural power of God overshadow her, Lord. Uh, I bind up the works, uh, oh God, that working against her, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, I bind it up, I cast it in outer darkness, Lord God. Uh, set her free, Lord God, uh, by the power of your spirit uh, and the authority of the word. Uh, for the Son of Man uh, have come to seek and to save that which is lost. Uh, I pray for salvation. Uh, I pray for deliverance. Uh, I pray, Lord God, uh, that there will be a liberty, uh, a liberation, Lord God, uh, like never before. Uh, from the top of her head uh, to the sole of her feet, Lord. Uh, let her experience your touch, your power. Oh, let her experience, Lord God, your grace and your mercy like never before. Uh, I pray, Lord God, that your will be done. I pray, Lord God, uh, that you will make her whole. Uh, I pray today, Lord God, uh, that your will be done. Uh, that your will be done. Uh, set her free, Lord God. Uh, set her free, Lord God, uh, by the authority of your word, uh, by the power of your spirit. Uh, set her free, Lord God. Uh, let no weapon form against her prosper. I come against every work uh, of evil. I come against every work of Satan. Uh, I come against every work uh, and every curse. Uh, in the name of Jesus, uh, I push back the forces uh, of evil and darkness uh, that is trying to destroy you. Uh, no weapon formed against you uh, will prosper. No weapon uh, formed against you will prosper. For God has chosen you uh, and God has called you forth uh, before the foundation of the world. Uh, now turn uh, and live. Uh, now turn uh, and live. Uh, now turn uh, and live uh, by the power of God, uh, by the authority of the word of God. Just tell God, tell God what you want this morning. Tell Him what you want. Tell Him what you want. Jesus is here. He's here to heal. He's here to set free. He's here to deliver. Oh God, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. God loves you. God loves you. He cares deeply for you. He gave his life for you. And God is here today because he called you to this place. In the name of Jesus. 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 Oh, somebody, one last time before we leave this place. One last time before we leave this place. Tell the Lord to step into your situation and turn it around. Tell the Lord to step in and turn it around. Oh, will you be honest with Him? You don't have to tell anybody else as long as you tell it to Jesus. And say, Jesus, I can't do it on my own. Will you help me, Jesus, because I can't do this on my own? Will you help me, Jesus, because I can't do it by myself? 
I need you to step in. I need your spirit to work. I need your power to work. I cannot do it, Jesus. Will you do it for me? Will you help me? Will you help me? Will you help me? Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we all look to you today. Because, Lord, we're going to be real with ourselves. And we're going to be real with you. Our neighbors might not know what we're dealing with. Our family members might not know what we're dealing with. But you know. And so, Lord, I say today, starting with me, and move upon each and every one of us in this congregation. We need to turn. There's a turning that's required. There's a turning that's necessary right now in our life. And Lord, I pray that you will work your work in us, that we can turn today from where we are and turn into the direction where you want us to go. For Lord, we need you. We trust you. We didn't get this far by ourselves. We didn't come to this place on our own. It was your goodness. It was you drawing us. It was because you made us able. Now, Lord, we look to you, totally dependent upon you, totally asking in the name of Jesus that you will step into our situation and turn. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you. Anybody love the Lord? Anybody love Jesus? Why don't you tell him you love him? Why don't you tell him you love him? Why don't you tell Jesus you love him? Say, Jesus, I love you. You first loved me, but now I love you. And I thank you today for your goodness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. As we go from this place, let the hand of God and the mercy of God go with you. Surely goodness and mercy, let it follow you all the days of your life, that you may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus' name, God bless you. God bless you.